Welcome to the You Are Not Broken podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kelly Casperson, a board-certified urologist, thought leader, and conversation starter on midlife living, hormones, and sexuality. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. I'm so excited today to talk about sex coaching. I have on Christine D'Angelo. She's on Instagram at sexcoachchristine, and her podcast is So I Married a Sexologist, which is just a sweet name for a podcast. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a big fan of you and your work and your podcast, so it's an honor. Thank you. Thanks. Can you tell us how you got into this work? Like, how did you get to the point of not only talking to people about sex all day, but like having a podcast about it? Yeah, I grew up in a very religious conservative household where it wasn't encouraged to ask questions really about anything, (laughs) especially questions related to your body, sexual functioning, or pleasure. So I was just always a very curious child. And I was at the library, right? Because I was like, well, if my parents aren't going to answer these questions, then I have to find answers for myself. And so I was just very interested in pleasure from a very young age. They tried to, I guess, not normalize it for me, but I really just didn't buy into that. I'm like, "Mm, it feels too good to (laughs) rub my clitoris. So I'm going to keep doing it. And so just from a very young age, I, I just didn't subscribe to the messaging systems that I was being given. And I'm just a rebellious person in general. So there's that. And so I, I really just paved my own path towards normalizing sex and my sexuality from a very young age. So when I got, when I was like in my twenties, I was in a relationship with a man who was experiencing erectile dysfunction and Neither one of us really knew how to navigate that, how to have productive conversations about it. So, of course, we did our best. We really learned how to redefine what sex meant for us as a couple. So through that experience, I just did a lot of research and brought up suggestions. Let's try this. Let's try that. Let's have more conversations about it. And In doing that, I really started to realize that I had a gift for this. And it just kind of got out through word of mouth that I was down to talk about sex and I was down to help people problem solve their sexual concerns. And so I just started, you know, getting random calls from people that were like, hey, I got your number from so-and-so. You must be really good. Seriously. And I was like, wow, okay. And I started helping people. I wasn't charging people because I didn't even know. You didn't know it was a job. I didn't know I was sex coaching when I was sex coaching, right? And I was just helping people left and right. And then it just kind of hit me because I was actually on the path to do something in like the artist realm of life. And because I'm a very creative person. So it just hit me one day and I'm like, I think this is a thing. Like, I think... And this was in the 90s. So sex therapy wasn't even really a thing yet. Like you might have heard smidges of people doing something in sex therapy, but there was really nobody that I could turn to and talk to about it and be like, is this a thing? Is this a path I can go down? Um, Am I the only one and am I nuts? (laughs) (laughs) 
Right? I mean, when people when people hear that you are interested in sex and you're down to talk about sex, it raises eyebrows, right? People clutch their pearls and people are like, <gasps> like, I would never. But I, I like standing out. I like being a rule breaker and just being like, you know what? You may think that, but this is how I feel. And this is how I think about it. So I kind of just switched gears and started thinking more about sex therapy as a possibility and started looking into it more. I started reaching out to people um, who I had heard of that like maybe they were doing this thing and like, and it was very hard to find at that time, like any sort of educational route that I would want to take or pursue to kind of get to this end goal, right? Of like being seen as like a valid maybe licensed or certified sexual health practitioner in some way. So kind of a long path to get to this point, but I finally got there. I ended up doing an undergraduate degree for sociology and community health. And then every opportunity I got with my electives and just kind of like creating my own path towards human sexuality and learning everything that I could through women's studies gender studies, and just human sexuality courses. And then after that, I decided to get certified through Sex Coach U, which is a school out of Los Angeles, which was started by Dr. Patty Britton and Dr. Robert Dunlap. And finding that was one of the best things that I ever did because I realized I found my people. You know, like sometimes you wonder, am I on the right path? Should I have done the therapy route? I'm not sure. Um, but once I stumbled up across this community of people, I was like, oh, okay, I'm home. This is a thing. <laughs> I can make this a career. And I'm not the only kind of sexpert or sex geek out there. And so it really helped just for me to not feel so alone in my pursuit of that. I know the answer because I'm trained as a life coach, but for the other people, can you tell them, break it down? Like, what's the difference between a therapist and a coach? And like, why would people have both? Why might people pick one over the other? Kind of just break it down just so people kind of know that these are both legit avenues, but are actually are a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. So a therapist is someone who is trained in kind of the, you know, the psychological piece of what makes us us? Like, why am I the way that I am? So if you are wanting to explore your sexuality through that lens, then you would want to go to a sex therapist, right? So it's like a sex therapist is going to help you kind of talk about what's going on with you currently, but they're also going to be working backwards with you. They're going to be going back in time. Let's unpack this. Let's unpack childhood. Let's unpack how you approach sex. What are things that have led up in your life to where you are today that has made you the sexual person that you are? And there are areas of sex therapy and sex coaching that overlap. And that is mindfulness, communication, uneven levels of desire, orgasm difficulties or, or challenges around orgasming, and really being able to own and become more comfortable with the sexual person that you are. That's where we overlap. As a sex coach, I'm meeting you today and we are looking forward. I'm asking you about sexual history, of course, but I'm really asking you the question of 
what is missing from your sex life? How do you want it to become more fulfilling for you? What do you need? What do you need to learn, explore, experiment with to have a greater understanding and develop that stronger sense of sexual confidence? I love it. So really kind of like future-focused, problem-solving, what are your goals and how can you bring like your level of expertise? Because a lot of people are like, I don't want to go learn every single thing about sex. I just want to solve my problem. Right, right. And I understand that approach. But sometimes, you know, we have to lay a solid foundation before we can build on top of it, right? And so what I'm looking for when a client comes to me is, okay, where where are any barriers that I'm noticing that are getting in the way of you reaching that goal? right? Because the barriers that I'm looking for may not even be a barrier that my client is aware of. Right. So what are some common, what are some common barriers that come into your door? Well, I specialize in coaching women and couples and it's cis women who find me. So, you know, what I'm seeing a lot of is women who are having a very difficult time being embodied and mindful during sexual experiences. So they're up in their headspace the whole time. And they've just never developed that skill set of being able to drop in the body and feel and experience and notice. It's a lot of overthinking, overanalyzing, trying to unrealistically meet your partner's expectations or obligations to show up a certain way during sexual experiences. Am I doing it right? I think it's the, you know, the perfectionism myth that is thrown on women in this culture of like, you need to be perfect. You need to be perfect. There is a perfect, there is an attainable thing. And then the whole time you're just trying to cross reference while you're doing it. Like, is this it? Is this it? Is this good enough? Do I smell? Like, is the lighting? Am I jiggling? Right. And so it's like these two things come together and then you're like, I don't like sex. Yep. Yep. And there's a term for that and it's called spectatoring. So I work with spectatoring a lot. I mean, a lot. And then the kind of the secondary thing that women see me for is lack of pleasure or feeling like, well, I can orgasm or I can experience orgasm on my own, but I can't experience that with my partner. So we kind of have to unpack that a little bit. Let's really talk in detail about what's happening during your sexual experiences. Is sex something that's being done to you, not with you? And oftentimes I'm hearing that it is focused on the partner's pleasure all the time, not the individual who's seeing me's pleasure, right? My client's pleasure. And there is just a lack of access that my clients have to pleasure in their minds and in their bodies. So one thing that I've noticed and just kind of a, I guess a pattern that starts, that's really, really becoming more and more obvious is that we have very different relationships to our bodies, to our sexuality than let's say if we're in a straight relationship, a heterosexual relationship than our male partners have. They grow up having a lot of experience with their genitalia, with 
pleasure, right? So it's normalized from a very young age for them, for our partners. And then as as young girls, we may experience some pleasure, but we have no one to talk to about it. If we do talk to someone about it, we're very quickly dismissed or you don't need that. We That's a secret. That's something you don't do. And then, of course, there's the religious veil of that, which is, well, it's sinful. You're going to go to hell, <laughs> right? All these all these things that start to create the barrier to pleasure and really understanding your own pleasure mapping because it was never really there. You were really, really never taught or given permission to explore your body in that way. So now we have two people who have very different experiences with their genitalia coming into this relationship and trying to just, quote unquote, make it work. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the, you know, the penis owners, like they know what works for them. So they're bringing that skill in. And if, if the partner like doesn't know what works for them, they kind of think, well, this is what it is then. And then brokenness ensues. Yep. Absolutely. And the people who have the penis owners, they didn't have any training on the other genitals. Right. And so like, but there is a default knowledge that is given to them of this is what sex is, this is how you do it, blah, blah, blah. And it's like they didn't pass any academy level course on your pleasure. Absolutely. It's very penetration forward, forward thinking, right? It's very, um, oh, sex, it equals this. It's a limited definition of what sex is or or can be, which really becomes problematic in heterosexual relationships. It does. Especially when those organ systems tend to fail or falter. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Which they do. <laughs> yes. One thing that I really like when I when I start to see a couple, we really talk about redefining what sex means. For that very reason, because, and I'm like, look, if you guys can get this down now and it can be a productive approach to sex, you're only helping future selves out because sexual functioning might become unreliable. In fact, it probably will become unreliable in some respect. So being able to not use that as an excuse for lack, like to not move into intimacy is really important, right? So how do we find intimacy when we take penetration off the table? And oftentimes when I ask people that, they just like, they do not understand. It's almost, I think I got sex ed in fifth grade and I don't remember anything from that. I mean, it was not a productive lesson at all. I mean, yeah, there's no communication there's no equality in that this should be equal for everybody and that it's not done to you. It's an activity to be shared equally. I just, all I remember is a picture of a uterus and fallopian tubes and ovaries. Like all I remember is an internal female structure. It's all I remember from it. And being like, okay, that's inside of you. Got it. <laughs> and we were separated in my class. Were you? I don't think we were. Very progressive Catholic school. Okay, you. <laughs> I don't remember being separated, but maybe I just don't remember it. So, what what tips do you have for women who are like, oh, I'm in my head. How do I get into my body? And is that is that something we, that you start to think about as in like, 
all day long are we in our body, right? Or is this just a sex thing? Like, how do you, what are the tips to be like, sex is a combo of brain and body and you can't just like frontal lobe a sex life? Yeah. Well, we're natural multitaskers. So we're up here all the time. And it's kind of like, it's an operation of our brains that just kind of feel comfortable at this point because we're so used to juggling multiple things at the same time, or we have a running task list or to-do list in our brains where we're like, oh, okay, I know I'm, I'm wrapping up this task and then I got to move on to the next task, right? So it's always boom, 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 moving on to the next thing. And oftentimes what happens is sex becomes something on that list. Yeah. It's on the to-do list at the end of the day when you're exhausted, by the way. Yes. Yes. So then it very much kind of becomes this, okay, let's wrap this up. Right. And what we know about, especially female sexuality and pleasure is that it can take anywhere from 20 minutes to 60 minutes to become fully aroused and ready for sex. And that's okay. People. It's it's so funny. We're trying to rush like a very pleasurable thing and we don't rush any other place. We're like, this movie is awesome. I wish it was shorter. Right. (laughs) We don't rush anything else. Like this meal is so fantastic. I want less courses of it. Right, right. Or this 90-minute massage. Gosh, I wish it was 60, you know? (laughs) I got shit to do. (laughs) The fact that we rush sex is like laughable once you think about it. It is. It really is. So learning how to transition your mindset from being task-oriented to seeking pleasure and enjoying pleasure is very important. And women need anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes of transition time to be able to switch modes, to switch your brain from da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da to, ah, I need to calm down, right? So just learning how to become embodied, learning mindful sex skills is super important. Breathing techniques, right? Like I encourage my clients to kind of follow this three-step process if they're wanting to really enjoy any sort of sexual experience and being able to drop in the body and notice pleasure. Step one is to find relaxation. However that works for you, find relaxation, right? Maybe it's just laying down and resting with an eye mask for 15 to 20 minutes. Maybe it's taking a hot shower or a bath. Maybe it's going for a walk by yourself, reading a book, like whatever it is. Learn what works for you to really find relaxation. And then you're going to wake up your brain sexually. And this is very challenging for people because When I'm suggesting sexual content to people, it's like, oh, I don't want to watch porn. Ugh, I don't like to read. Ugh, I don't want, you know, I just, I meet a lot of resistance when we're talking about waking up the brain sexually because a lot of people aren't used to doing it, right? And and it's almost this like, ah, taboo action where it's like, I'm not supposed to do that. Right, right. Well, they've probably been told not to. Oh, 100%. Or or the people that do those things are labeled X, Y, and Z, and they don't want to be labeled X, Y, and Z. Absolutely. I mean, this is where those childhood messages start to kind of roll in and block access to these actionable steps, right? 
Finding sexual content, I work with my clients on exploring all your options. Let's just get all of them out on the table. We're going to go through them one by one. I'm going to have you experience them. We're going to come back into session and talk about it. What did you like? What did you dislike? What activated some feelings for you? What stirred up some erotic energy for you? Like heavily lean in that direction then. That means that it's turning your brain on, which is the largest sex organ that we have. So what's going to light up your brain, right? And then step three, once you've done the relaxation and you woke up your brain, now it's time to invite pleasure into the body. And however you invite pleasure into the body is a-okay, right? Like, don't let anyone tell you that you cannot invite pleasure into your body because they might not like it. That's not for them to decide. You can have conversations about it and like really talk about why I want to bring a vibrator into our sexual experiences. Why maybe I want to take a little bit of a weed gummy to just help me become more embodied. This is what really works for me and really helps me become embodied. Nobody gets to decide that for you but you, right? And that's one of the beautiful things about sexuality is that it's so unique to you and how you respond to things that you get to embrace it, right? You get to really develop that strong confidence that allows you to speak up. Use your sexual voice. Here's what I need. Here's what I like. Here's a position I want to try. Hey, let's spice things up. Let's do this, that, or the other, right? But if we don't have a reliable experience of exploring this stuff, then it is extremely hard to just flip a switch and all of a sudden hit that erotic go button. You know, I see, yeah, I see a lot of, you know, people, they get a little complainy of like, ah, I transitioned to blah, I wish I just could like blah. And I'm like, you don't understand that by you doing that and taking your time and transitioning from that sympathetic nervous system to parasympathetic, you are going to then be able to give it your all. And before you weren't giving it your all because you were still over here in, in, you know, thinking about yesterday and tomorrow and the tasks and the blah, blah, blah. It's like, give yourself the, the quality of giving it your all. And that's what it takes is to get to that point. And because you almost have to reframe that transitioning because I, I see a lot of people like they get annoyed by that fact or like they wish they didn't have to do that fact. And it's like, no, no, no. You got to warm up before you go to the gym or you got to, you know, whatever, travel to the event before you can be at the event. Like lots of things have transition. This is not exceptional. And, you know, that transitional piece, we've never been taught that. So, of course, it's going to feel laborsome in the beginning because what wouldn't feel laborsome in that, you know, in that example? But once you start to find things that work for you, and it's becoming a reliable, positive response, then guess what happens? You're you more excited. It. Yes, yeah. you're, you're more excited to lean into that. And you start to feel more motivation. And you start to feel more incentivized to enter sexual experiences with a partner. Now, another really important component of this is having your partner aware of all of this stuff and become aware of needing a transitional space to switch your mindset, right? So your partner can really be an advocate for you in this area and really help you 
kind of nudge you towards transition time, right? By maybe taking on a couple of household management things where you're like, babe, I got this. Why don't you go relax? Because we talked about connecting tonight in some intimate way. And I'm really looking forward to that. So there's a, there's an invitation to go take care of yourself so that you can be fully present when your partner is making a bid for connection or intimacy. What tips do you have for women looking back in there? Because we have power, whether we admit it or not, we have power differentials in heterosexual relationships because of society and how we're socialized. I see so many women, they're afraid. They're either afraid to talk to them they already assume it's not, it's going to go poorly, right? So I don't want to talk to them because I know it's going to, not that they know that, they just think they know that. But like, what tips do you have for people who are like, because some people are like, dude, my, my partner's going to be super gung-ho that I'm on board, like, right? Some people don't have this issue. But for the women who are like, I don't think he's going to listen. I don't think he's going to understand. I think he's only thinks sex is one, like, they're really worried about what this guy is going to respond to when they're like stepping into their own needs. So do you have tips or tricks for, for that person? When someone has a lot of anxiety over, or like just around these types of conversations, that tells me as the coach that they just aren't experienced in having these kinds of conversations. So becoming more comfortable talking about sex, sexuality, pleasure, my needs, we start to kind of ramp up towards those types of conversations. So when they're coming to me, like, let's say within like four sessions in their mind, they might be thinking like, oh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to have these like really intense conversations, like right out the gate. No, 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 no. We ease you into those types of conversations, right? So I help you gain a better understanding of your needs, of your sexual mapping, of your wants, needs, and desires so that you gain a better understanding and confidence behind what it is you're bringing into these conversations. So the more you know, the better equipped you are to handle those types of conversations. And a lot of times women are coming to me just really sexually confused, frustrated, uh, lack of confidence. There's just this, my partner keeps asking me like, what do I need? How can, how can they facilitate? How can they help me get to a certain point? And it's just instant anxiety, shutdown, no voice. It's almost like it gets stuck there and you feel prickly all over because that anxiety is just taking over. And you tend to just kind of get stuck in this loop with your partner where, all we do is get, we can only get so far in these conversations because I don't have answers. So once you start to have those answers, it gets a lot easier to meet your partner in their efforts too of wanting to understand. I see that commonly of like the partner's super supportive, right? The partner's like, whatever you need, just tell me. And they're like, I don't know what I need. I can't even tell you how many times I've heard this and it's very common and it breaks my heart that this happens to so many people. One of the things that I encourage people to do is just start self-pleasuring, right? Like, and not even necessarily incorporating genitalia at this point. Okay. Give us some tips. Where should we start? Breathing techniques is amazing. Learn how to do a proper deep belly breath. And spend three to five minutes in that space and just notice how does that feel in my body? Was it really hard for me to stay present 
in that state for three to five minutes, okay, that tells you quite a bit, right? Were you able to stay in that state, but you your mind kept wandering to this, that, or the other? Okay, that tells you quite a bit about your, your headspace. Learning how to control that and bring bring your thoughts back into your body. Breath is the is one of the best ways to kind of start training yourself towards embodiment. One of the things I love is asking my clients to say yes to pleasure. So when you're going throughout your day, just start noticing when something feels good, non-sexually and sexually. When you walk outside and you just spend a few minutes to smell, get some fresh air or feel the sun on your skin, how does that feel? Did that bring pleasure into your body? I want you to actually say yes. I want yes to come up and out of your mouth. And you're really connecting the mind and body at that point. Your mind is connecting to pleasure in the body. So you're really starting to kind of flex this muscle that you really need to flex of like noticing pleasure in the body and starting to notice what brings us pleasure into the body. Because we're up here all the time, we're go, 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 and we don't stop to smell the roses. Like literally, maybe stop to smell the roses on your next walk when they're blooming and just see how did that feel in my body? You know, I think who's really good at this that we can learn from or remember to learn from is kids. Because like, we're like, get out the door, get into the car, go to school, right? They're like, squirrel, rock, ladybug, flower, <laughs> right? Like, let's, let's, we're going to go off the path and onto the grass, right? Like, they're, they're so in the present moment. And at some point in our growing up, we lose that. And we're, we're so future focused or task focused that we forget and we forget to give ourselves time, right? Like maybe don't be in a rush all the time. So you can notice that the trees are starting to get blooms on them, right? And like so much present moment work that I think, you know, children, children do it naturally. And it, we, I don't know, we age out of it. We get socialized out of it. But like we forget that our, our inherent state is to be to be incredibly pleased by all the things that are around us and that are miracles. Absolutely. I think that's that's a great reminder. And just reflecting on that, at some point we start to learn and subscribe to pleasure's not for me. Pleasure is for everybody else around me and I come last. And that's a problem, right? That is definitely a problem in relationships as well. And kind of going back to how sex ed in this country just sucks or is really misleading, um, is we also aren't taught about relationships. We're not taught how to maintain and have sustainability in long-term relationships. And I think that's really important. And sexuality is a huge component of that. But yet we're not taught that piece. We're taught everything else but that. Yeah, totally. I think an interesting thing about, you know, long-term relationships is I see a lot of women, again, they're like, I have to do it. I have to do it for our relationship. Like it's this like puzzle piece, right? Instead of like an integral, wonderful piece. The things we don't get taught of like, do you know what sex means to your partner? And they're like, no, you know, who asks their partner that? And like you ask your partner and your partner's like, it's how I feel love from you. And you're like, I had no idea that's what they were asking for when they were asking for sex, 
right? And it's like, it all comes down to communication and, you know, being a good, and understanding everybody's like, what they want sex for is not what you think they want sex for. But if we don't ask questions because it's awkward and we don't get taught how to do that, we don't get taught how to listen and be, not be non-judgmental. We don't know how to shut up when people are talking to us, <laughs> right? <Yes. laughs> we, don't get, we don't learn any of that. And it's incredibly rewarding when you're like, oh, well, it's embarrassing. I was in a relationship for over 10 years and I didn't know what sex meant for that person. I know, I know a heck of a lot more now because I asked the question. Absolutely. And I think that if we're not asking those questions, then we are assuming that we know the answer. We know the answer in our because we made it up. And we didn't even question like, was that the, is that the actual answer? Totally. Assumptions are the termites of a relationship. <laughs> so we need to stop assuming that we understand that fully so good. what's happening in our partner's brains, right? And I hear this a lot too. And like, oh, my partner should just know how to please me. Or my partner should just understand my body more than me. My, like, and no, 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 no. Like, I want to teach you how to be the lead role in your sex life, not the supporting role. You need to advocate for your You're the own writer. Needs. You're the director. You're the yes. editor. <laughs> yes. You're not the prop. No. Once you start to adopt that and realize that, oh, with these steps towards change, my sex life is getting better. My sex life with myself is getting better. And my sex life with my partners are getting better. Yeah. And I think, you know, what people don't understand because they're not there yet, but I could speak to my journey is like, there is a level of like calmness that can come over you or almost like assuredness that comes over you of once you're like, yeah, I'm not anxious about this topic anymore. Like I know how to navigate it. There's like this level of like calm acceptance and like elaborate on that more if you know what I'm talking about and you can say it better. (laughs) So one thing that really motivated my husband and I to start our podcast, so I married a sexologist, is, you know, I'm the sexologist and he's a comedian. So I really feel like our our conversations that we have about sex and relationships and pleasure is really a great example for people of how you can have these conversations and they're not heated, they're not fueled by anxiety. And we really ask questions and we have really productive conversations about stuff. And so I was like, we need to have a podcast where we're talking about this stuff just like we would off camera, off the mic. And really give an example to people of how you can approach these kinds of conversations and even take from our conversations if you want to and bring that to your partner and say, huh, I can word it this way now. And this this actually feels more comfortable for me to approach this topic because I, I've had an example now of, of how to work through that. And I get messages from people all the time sent just thanking me for that because they felt like that helped me develop a stronger sense of confidence and the energy that I'm bringing into conversations about this with my partner. I love it. What would you say is the number one thing couples can do to improve their sex life and why? Develop that stronger and honest communication style with each other. And I know easier said than done. 
I get it. I totally get it. Communication is the best route to improving your sex life. It's step number one, is being able to call attention to things, bring a sense of curiosity to your conversations. And that in and of itself is difficult for people to do. Even just asking the question, what does sex mean to you? Is so helpful. And if you need time to think about what your answer is, ask for some time to think about what your answer is, right? And and I think we also, when we're in these conversations, we feel like we have to know everything in that moment. And you absolutely do not need to know exactly what your answer is in that moment. You can bring up a question and you can ask for reflection time if that's what you need. And again, this is just practicing that advocating for what you need, want, and desire, right? So taking a step in that direction is very productive. It's very positive. So first, really, that first step is developing a stronger sense of communication about this topic, right? Because I I work with a lot of couples who say, we're great in all other areas of our relationship, but it's this one area that we really struggle talking about. So we really have to work on that to create that strong foundation, but also creating a sense of safety, in that space with each other. Um, Judgment-free zone, right? Which is also difficult to do. But once you've developed that, then you can move on to, okay, I think we may need to redefine what our definition of sex is as a couple. Let's move away from that limiting belief of penetrative sex and that that equals sex. Sex can mean whatever you want it to mean within your couple bubble. And I love that. Um, Try not to compare what's happening in your relationship with friends around you. Because you don't actually know what's going on. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Again, we're assuming assuming everybody's better than than what we are. Right. I love that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think the other thing is to realize we're, we're a team. It's not you versus me. It's not right versus wrong. This is a team. This is a vessel, whatever it is of like, we're trying to figure it out together, not fixing one person. And just having having compassion towards your partner and understanding that a lot of us, if not all of us, carry some sort of shame or guilt around this topic. And... Maybe you haven't realized it yet, or you're afraid to admit it, or, you know, it really does create a barrier to the level of exploration that you can have as a couple, right? And a great example of this is is like sexual fantasies, right? So many people, (laughs) I mean, we could go on and on and on about sexual fantasies, but so many people struggle with sharing what their sexual fantasies are or they feel shame that they don't have any sexual fantasies. So let's just You're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. 100%, right? (laughs) So they just avoid the topic. (laughs) It's safer. (laughs) I love that. So where can people find a sex coach? Is there like a a website for the sex coaches of America? There's WASC, W-A-S-C, World Association of Sex Coaches. You can go there. Um, you can I'm literally on podcast number like 250 and I did not know that was a thing. Ah, yes, yes. Um, Thanks for it, bringing that. 
One thing that I love about being a sex coach is I can work with anybody anywhere. So I work virtually and in person. So I can work with anybody around the world, which is great and super fun. I love it. But really, if you are wanting to see someone in person in your area, just Google sex coach and your city and see what comes up. Um, But you can also do that through the WASC website as well. And Instagram can also be a good place to just find, right, who's out there doing this? Whose style do you like? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I love that. Oh my gosh, we covered so much ground. We can find you on Instagram, Sex Coach Christine. Your podcast is So I Married a Sexologist, which I love. Like, comedian and humor in the sex ed space is the absolute best. So I'm excited to take a listen to that. Anywhere else you want people that where you hang out or want people to find you? Uh, yeah, you can visit my website, uh, doyoursexlifeafavor.com. Love it. I Thank you. I have videos on there. I'm on our local TV show here in Portland, um, which I'm so grateful that they let me come on and talk about sex and relationships. I feel really lucky about that. That's a big deal. Yeah. So all of those videos are on my blog, so you can check that out. Um, I'm also on YouTube. Just type in Christine D'Angelo, Certified Sex Coach. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. I had a great time. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of You Are Not Broken. If you want to dig deeper with me, sign up for my adult sex education masterclass where you learn adult things like communication skills, anatomy lessons, and desire types, and how to talk to your doctor about sexual health concerns. If you want the adult sex education masterclass for free, join my monthly membership for more in-depth, exclusive content, more time with yours truly, a private podcast, coaching, and educational empowerment. And you can watch my interviews live and get them immediately without advertising. Head over to www.kellycaspersonmd.com for the membership and adult sex ed masterclass. Members get the masterclass for free. This podcast is presented solely for educational, entertainment, and informational purposes only. I am a doctor, but not your doctor in this format. And all of my platforms and guests, including on this podcast, are not giving individual medical advice or practicing medicine. See and consult with your own care team for your individual needs and concerns. This podcast is not intended as a substitute for the care and advice of a physician, therapist, or other qualified professional. This podcast does not constitute the practice of medicine, in case you were curious about that, and no doctor-patient relationship is formed. But I still love you. Using the information on this podcast or any of my platforms is at your own risk. Until next time, remember, you are not broken.